This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always is the fabulous Billboard.com senior editor, Katie Atkinson. Hey, Keith. How are you, Katie? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? I am still getting over a cold. You sound pretty great, though. Or You're coming back. I'm coming back stronger yeah. than ever. <laughs> I like my sort of dark and sultry voice. Yes. <laughs> it's the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things gargly. <laughs> um, well, um, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. I don't know why I'm so energetic right now. I'm just like (laughs) dancing in my seat. Um, Well, on this week's show, we've got an interview with the wonderful singer-songwriter KT Tunstall. She dropped by the office to chat about her new album, Kin, which is out now, and how she's making the most honest music she's ever made. So stay tuned for our chat with her later on in the show. Plus, we've got Chart Chat about where Lady Gaga's new single, Perfect Illusion. It's here. It's here, where it might uh, debut on the Billboard Hot 100 next week. It's not an illusion. It will indeed (laughs) appear on the chart. (laughs) Puns. Um. And we also have news about how there's a new top 10 on the Hot 100 this week from Charlie Puth and Selena Gomez, the Puth, friend of the podcast, Charlie Puth. Um, and we also have news on Travis Scott's first number one album on the Billboard 200 chart and how Jason Aldean is set to bring country back to the top of the Billboard 200 in short order. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. <laughs> I was saying part of that as if I was like Evita Peron with my hands in the air. I think that people really believed that. They really they really felt it. Don't cry for me, <laughs> podcast listeners. The truth is I will always be podcasting. Vadabrato. No, no. Anyway. Um, let's talk about Lady Gaga. Gaga, rah, rah, rah. Perfect Illusion. Uh, Perfect Illusion came out last Friday, September 9th, or late in the evening, September 8th, depending on what time zone you were in. Yes. Um, 
Katie and I have briefly talked away from the podcast about what we think of the song. We've had a couple days to digest the track. Um, what do we think? This had some high expectations going in. You know, it's been a while. We were talking a lot last week about the return of, like, Pop Gaga after many other iterations of Gaga. (laughs) And while the song is, I I think, good, it's like that that bar, that high bar that was set maybe wasn't met for me. Um, There are very interesting elements of this song, including that funky key change that happens out of nowhere. Now, people have talked about this key change. Describe to me uh, who is not intelligent when it comes to music, uh, you know, words. Um, (laughs) Words. Where where does this happen in the song? It's like really soonish. Probably the second time that she goes through the chorus, it all of a sudden shifts into uh, the next key up in the chorus. Oh, when when she says it wasn't love, and then it just yeah, exactly. Where she like suddenly goes up. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, that's, I like when people try crazy things, and this is definitely like a little bit out of the blue. Typically, when there's key changes in pop, they kind of like shift you, like ease you into it, and she just goes there. Yeah. So, like, I feel like I love, I always love Gaga for pushing the envelope, and she does in this. Um, I think one of the things that I'm not loving is the way she sings the chorus. Yeah. It's, it's a little shouty. Um, and a little, uh, like purposefully, you know, not like ugly, but I feel like it also is probably trying to convey the emotion of anger. Yeah. So that's, that was probably her purpose. Yeah. But, um, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily pleasant to the ears the entire time. I like the, um, I, 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 um, (laughs) I like the verses and I like the bridge so it sounds like the chorus is what grates on us a little bit the chorus is really hard and i say this as a fan of gaga the the chorus is just really difficult for me to get around just because it's just she's just so kind of shrieky um it's just that love it wasn't love and i i mean i get it i think what she's trying to do is i mean like the point of the song is like she was in a relationship that was an illusion it wasn't right it was just this 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 fabrication of what she thought was going to be real and it didn't turn out and she's like it wasn't love and yeah. she's pissed off yeah yeah but it's same, her like theatricalness but it needs to also work as a pop song that you want to hear yeah, on the radio yeah. repeatedly and i just it's just it just that the what they've done to her vocal there where they've just either amped it up or they processed it in a way where it just goes to this next level and you're like oh my god you know i'm not sure if you paid attention to the series of radio interviews that she's done about the song but a lot of people wanted to jump to the conclusion that you know her her breakup with taylor kinney who they were engaged like everyone wanted to think oh you know this was the perfect illusion that she speaks of and and she was directly asked about it and said this is not taylor this is not about taylor like Hmm. don't think that it is oh so well, I guess I, I kind of thought it was. Yeah, so exactly. I think I everybody have. did. No, I think everybody did. Well, um, let's talk about where it's going to end up on the charts next week. Um, be, because the song came out last Friday, the only charts that it can really start showing up on right now are some of our airplay charts that closed on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So it debuts actually on our pop songs airplay chart at number 31. Um, we'll get to that in just a moment. And how many days on the airplay chart is that? Three days. Three days. So that's just significant Friday, to just Friday, hop Sunday. right into the top 40. You know. There you go. Um, 
But in terms of the Hot 100, um, right now, um, industry forecasters suggest that it could sell maybe around 100,000 downloads okay. in its first week, which is not like Justin Timberlake size numbers of like hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and not embarrassing either. No. Um, especially because it seems to be more challenging for people to actually sell singles. Now. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, it's not like a slam dunk for like a top 10 debut. Mm. Um, top 40 seems likely. And it's everywhere now. It wasn't initially like right <clears throat> on Spotify right away, but then it, it's now on Spotify. So it's streaming. And I know it's on every Spotify playlist that I pull up today. So mm. I'm sure that's probably by design. Yeah. Um, so right now, and because we don't actually have streaming, uh, preliminary streaming data, it's a little bit difficult to forecast. Um, it will be on the Hot 100 unless something goes terribly wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it will be there. Yeah, it will be there. <laughs> um, top 40, probably. Could it go any higher? Probably. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Had, a video might come out. Had the, had, yeah. Had, <laughs> if there's a music video that yeah. appears before Thursday, that will really change oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Um, if a music video had come out simultaneously, simultaneously to, the single. to the single last Friday, we would be talking about something different. Sure. Like that's, that's really the key to get them all at the same time. Yeah. So we'll see. Tune in next week. Um, as I said a second ago, the song debuts at number 31 on the Pop Songs Airplay chart after just three days of airplay. It is her 16th chart hit on the Pop Songs chart. And now it's time for our chart set of the week. Oh, man, you were just throwing it in wherever you feel like it these days. I feel like it works better this way. Like, Catch you, you off guard? When, you, when, when you're like talking about something, like I've often found in the past, like if I'm talking about a particular artist at the top of the show, mm-hmm. as I'm researching them, I come you across- You find fun chart stats. And I'm like, let's just put it here. So here we are. Here we are. So it's Quiz Katie time. Oh, gee, man, double whammy. Yep, you know. <laughs> You weren't prepared for this. Can you guess how many number ones Lady Gaga has had on the pop songs airplay chart? Okay, so this is this is uh, this is top forty radio we're talking about here. Yes, her bread Just and butter. Airplay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I know she's had. Uh, I think. Well, I'm not even going to pretend to know the Hot 100 number, so let's just go with this. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to just stab in the dark at eight. You're very close. It's seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to tell you what they are. I'll okay. just tell you. Um, just Dance, Poker Face, Love Game, Paparazzi, Bad Romance, Telephone, and Born This Way. Okay. So no applause. That's surprising. Applause went to number four. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, I mean, basically her first... Like, basically, her first six singles all went to number one. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, they were pretty pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, since the Pop Songs chart started in 1992, um, she is tied with Bruno Mars and Taylor Swift, each with seven number ones. And ahead of them on this chart are Maroon 5 and Justin Timberlake, each with eight number ones. Pink, who has nine and then Rihanna and Katy Perry both have 11 wow. number ones. Of course, this chart has only been around since 1992. Um, and that's why some artists that you may think are really big on Top 40 Radio aren't on this list. Right. Like, where's Elvis? Yeah. Like, mm, it's a little bit later. Um, <laughs> so there you go. There's your chart stat of the week. Uh, uh, just a little history about Lady Gaga on the Pop Songs Airplay chart. <laughs> All right, so um, back on this week's Hot 100, the Chainsmokers are still number one with Closer locking up a fourth week at number one. Can't be stopped. Uh, no, they are <laughs> they are pretty much 
the gap between them and number two is pretty significant. That's crazy. So um, they'll probably be number one for a minute unless something crazy happens in the next few days. You never know. Um, but let's talk about the Pooth, Charlie Pooth, friend of the podcast, Charlie Pooth. Pop Shop Poothcast. Pop Pop Shop Poothcast. <laughs> um, he gets his first top 10 single as a lead artist this week and his second top 10 overall as We Don't Talk Anymore featuring Selena Gomez rises 12 to 10. Uh, Puth, of course, was previously the featured act on the massive number one hit See You Again by Wiz Khalifa. Which just racked up 2 billion views on YouTube. That's only right. the second video to do so. What's the other The first video? was Psy, Gangnam Style. Wow. And yes, which is a was a mega international video, to say the very <laughs> least. And uh, yeah, See You Again is only the second one to do it. Huh. Yeah. I wonder how many videos in total on YouTube have had like 2 billion views, not just music videos. I'm not, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm I just actually wondering. think that that they're the first two period to reach two billion. Really? Yeah, wow. and you know we'll cut this part out if I'm wrong. If we're wrong. <laughs> Don't quote us on that. You can Google Google it later. Go to YouTube and figure it out yourself. Um, of course, well, see you again. Spent twelve weeks at number one uh, on the Hot 100. Uh, as for Gomez, this is her sixth top ten hit, following "Come and Get It," "The Heart Wants What It Wants." Say that five times fast. Mm-hmm. Good for you, same old love, and hands to myself. She likes uh, song titles with three le- three uh, words. Good for You're you, right. same old love, hands to myself. And I'm always correcting. Everyone wants to put can't keep my hands to myself when they put that song title in stories. So maybe she was like, it's got to be three words. Maybe. <laughs> well, you know, I, I love quoting the um, How Billy Ocean back in the 80s. Every, number, every one of his three number one hits all had the same number of words in their title. Ooh, uh, that is really fun. And there were really long titles. That's weird. Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. Wow. Caribbean Queen, no more love on the run. Did not know that Caribbean Queen had extra words in that title. There's a lot of parentheticals. (laughs) And then there'll be sad songs to make you cry. Maybe he was like a numerology fan and was like, it's got to be eight. Maybe after the first two, he's like, we got to make the third yeah, one. Exactly. <laughs> um, actually, Fred Bronson, I, I remember reading the book. Fred Bronson is uh, the former chart beat editor for Billboard back in the 90s. He's still a freelancer for us. And um, one of his um, Billboard books, mm-hmm. uh, I read that factoid back when I was in high school. Mm. So before, when I was just a little chart geek uh, newbie. Um, anyway. you, loved, you loved charts and you loved <clears throat> words, and it just combined both of them. Funny how that works. <laughs> um, over on the Billboard 200 chart, Travis Scott earns his first number one album with Birds in the Trap, Sing McKnight, has nothing to do with Brian McKnight. <laughs> how how I wish, you know, for a moment I actually thought it was like, is he covering Brian McKnight? But with bird sounds. But with bird sounds. <laughs> just, Birds chirping by Brian McKnight. <laughs> he's covering, every, he, what was that Brian McKnight song, Every Time? Um, oh, um, anytime. Anytime. That but was then, a huge hit. I mean, hit. his big one was Back to One. Oh, one. Yeah. Chirp, 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 chirp. <laughs> I really wish I could make bird noises right now. There you go. I can't. I I can't whistle. Anyway, um, (laughs) so the album debuts at number one uh, on the Billboard 200. It earned uh, 88,000 equivalent album units in the week ending September 8th, according to Nielsen Music. Of that sum, 53,000 were in traditional album sales. Um, It is the fifth. Uh, Apple or iTunes exclusive album to debut at number one this year on the Billboard 200, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, it follows Frank Ocean's Blonde, DJ Khaled's Major Key, Drake's Fuse, and Future's Evil. Um, now, 
um, I think all those albums are now available on other services, okay. but they initially, when they were number one, started off as an Apple and iTunes Crazy. exclusive. So um, it's just the world that we live in now. Uh, next week on the Billboard 200, Jason Aldean will probably debut at number one with his new album. Uh, they don't know. They don't know. Billboard magazine had a great interview with Jason Aldean last week. Really, you can what find do you say? it on Billboard.com. It's just a really open chat. They even talked about, I'm not sure if you know about his little scandal from like a year ago, Halloween, when he maybe dressed in blackface as Lil Wayne. Oh, dear. They addressed that. <clears throat> so oh. it really goes lots of places. I suppose if you're going to do an interview with media, you're probably going to have to answer that question. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So his album could uh, start with 135,000 equivalent album units in the week ending September 15th, of which about 130,000 could be in pure album sales. That would actually bring a country album back to number one on the Billboard 200 for the first time since late last year when Chris Stapleton It's kind of crazy. was number one. You think about, you know, country albums selling a ton well you know i mean blake shelton came close Mm -hmm. but florida georgia line last week were number two right yeah and you know i think some of what's uh you know what is makes it difficult now is that um because the billboard 200 is the overall consumption chart now makes it a little bit more challenging Not just traditional album sales which country kills in yeah yeah tough sorry um well now it's time for our guest interview with katie tunstall yeah Yeah, so her new album, Kin, came out last Friday, September 9th, and it was recorded here in Los Angeles, and KT came by the office to talk about the album and how she's more confident and comfortable in a way she's never been before. Uh, She says that she's making the most honest music she's ever made and that it was spiritually important for her to write this album basically totally on her own, and it's the first time that she's ever done that. Um, she also talks about collaborating with James Bay on the record for a song called Two Way and says that they just had the best day ever when they recorded this song together. So here's our interview with KT Tunstall. Welcome, KT Tunstall, to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you, Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thanks so much for coming by. My pleasure. Um, you've been interacting with our fake fireplace. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I'm telling you, the fake fireplace is like, it's. I've never seen one quite as spectacular. So warm and cozy. The reason I love it so much is because it's kind of false perspective. So the log, there's, first of all, there's only one log in the fake <laughs> fireplace. And it's kind of, it's basically flat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, but it's, it's just the coolest thing in the world. It's a brilliant illusion. I feel so um, uh, at home. I you feel can like... check out KT's Twitter and Instagram to see <laughs> yes. it for yourself. Yes, we should we should revive this. <laughs> oh yeah, um, oh, we yeah. can we can bring it back every so often. Maybe around the holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely a really it's a holiday vibe. It's a selling point to Use lure people a, in as for a, the as an for billboard. Christmas card for your family. Um, but it, so that, thank you. That was it. That's thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it's good that we talked about the fireplace. Thanks a lot. Um, but you have a brand new album called kin i do and i'm super stoked about it because you know when i was listening to it there's kind of a little bit of everything on it there's some up-tempo dancey tracks there's some kind of sort of swoony ballady moments um i was particularly excited about maybe it's a good thing and hard girls which are kind of like these boppy dance tracks were you kind of like feeling like a dancey vibe when you were making those two particular songs it's an it's such an interesting and meaningful record for me this one because the last album 
Invisible Empire Crescent Moon, which I was incredibly proud of and really fond of. I always will be recorded in Tucson, Arizona in the desert. It was kind of the start of my love affair with America and being in the desert and lands, the landscapes of America. Do you too. live in the desert? I live in LA, which is basically basically a desert, a desert. Just yeah. fed with water from somewhere else. Um, <laughs> True. But, um, yeah, this re- that that record was made. Invisible Empire was made at a time where I'd had a couple of really kind of tectonic sized things shift in my life. My dad passed. I got divorced. Mm. Life was a real kind of topsy turvy mess, basically. And the record was very cathartic, but it was a low temp. It was a folk record. Mm-hmm. We recorded live to tape machine. It was the first time I'd ever done that, which was beautiful. But we were also using ribbon microphones, which by their nature, they're made with, they record onto ribbon and you can't shout into them. So the reason I could use them was because this was a quiet record. A very intimate record. It had um, to be, yeah. And I listened back to that and I really feel in some ways it was kind of funeral music it was like the music accompanying the death of something in me and it was and after that record I didn't think I was going to make another album for a long time I moved out to LA actually to make music for movies I was going to take a break I just felt like I was on a bit of a hamster wheel of making these records promoting them releasing them and I hadn't got that buzz from the touring from that record that I was used to um And actually, fortuitously, I did a couple of solo gigs. I toured mostly solo for that record. And I was wearing this beautiful suit and a bolo tie and we're in sit-down theatres. I'd never played sit-down theatres before. It had always been people standing. And it was beautiful and it was reverent and it it was emotional. But when I did a couple of retrospective gigs after that tour had finished of my older stuff, I was like, oh, I just... I need to be physical I need to sweat I need to have the feedback loop of an audience in front of me getting excited and moving and and losing it Um, and actually I do still like making records (laughs) (laughs) but I think that process of cutting the umbilical cord to feeling like I had to do it Mm -hmm. was really liberating and ultimately was what led me to feel really excited about making a record and I'm a different person I've been through some really life-changing experiences in the last few years and had some a great period of self-reflection which is really difficult but really has helped me get to know myself Mm -hmm. and I feel that this album is the phoenix out of all of that where I am confident in a way I've never been and I'm comfortable in a way I've never been and I'm I see clearly in a way that I haven't done before I'm avoiding the suddenly I see pun joke there, even though I just you sort just of did it. Although, but you did it. I just sort of did it. Um, You're allowed. So, so with all that said, when you went into making the album, did you were you were you like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to shake it up, and I'm going to I'm going to do some. I mean, I wouldn't say there are like full on dance tracks on the album. I don't know why that's beeping, but yeah, we can... Yeah, it's beeping, but just enjoy it. It's just, just enjoy the beeping. It's just an experimental the, 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 part the, of this interview. That... It's the fireplace that's beeping yeah. at us. Um, the log is beeping. The log is beeping. Actually, we're being recorded by the government or something. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so, but when you went High in... government. High government. Um, so when you went into making the record, did you feel like, you know, I can sort of... I can, I can do something kind of up-tempo and kind of, 
you know, touching upon a little bit of disco, perhaps. I wouldn't yeah. say there's any disco tracks on here, but yeah. I did feel kind of a disco vibe occasionally. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, there, but there are specific tracks, like maybe it's a good thing. I, you know, I would, my notes, it's sort of like a put on your dancing shoes type yeah. type track. It's, it's the kind of song that you want to like put on and go driving and like put the top down and just yeah. like, I'm not joking. Well, it's like, so funny that's... that you say that because it was actually driving in L.A. was a huge part of making this record, weirdly. So the thing that really drew me back in was my film agent lived in the valley and I'm in Venice by the beach. And so I would have to drive through the canyons and I ended up finding some hikes out there, which are half an hour from my house. And it's just gorgeous. You're in the mountains and you can't see people or cars or anything. And I would drive back in the evening and it's these amazing, winding, wild canyon roads. And I'd find myself driving Mulholland and getting that superb view of L.A. at night. And it's so spooky. And Well, in Mulholland at night? Inspire. I mean, yeah. you know, and I watched all my favorite David Lynch movies. As <laughs> oh, soon my as God. I okay. Well, yeah. But I was also the car is the place that I listen to the music, to music the most. Um, it's really the place I get to know records is when I'm driving. And I was listening to Fleetwood Mac and I was listening to Tom Petty and Neil Young and all Fleetwood of these Mac rumors, by the way, of or course, I'm and like... all of these records that came out of that area of yeah. L.A., these widescreen, huge, big choruses with great backing vocals. And they just sound like what it looks like. Yeah. And I was there and I was living there and. It all seeped in, and then I was listening to kind of newer, more psychedelic stuff like Devendra Banhart and Tame Impala, mm. great UK band called Django Django. Um, Which um, I think remixed a track of did, yours. They did, and Dave from Django yeah. Django actually came over for the first couple of weeks of the recording of the album to just help me find sounds and get a good vibe, and so it was wonderful having him as part of the so it's so I was recording. correct and I was actually on the right track when I was thinking like this sounds like something that you should play in the car yes, with the top down it's, it's like that was what you were thinking yeah, there and it's a journey album it's it's I don't mean it's by journey I mean it's <laughs> Steve Perry's it's on the album everyone album yeah it's really weird 70s prog rock you yes. should buy it yes. separate ways um, open arms they're all on this new album from Katie Tunstall we love playing in different time signatures through one song um <laughs> But yeah, so it was, it, and, and really, at first, I was being reluctantly pulled back into the writing process by my subconscious brain. I was like, hang on, I'm here to write for movies, and I want to score, and I want to I flex other muscles creatively. And then these songs just started to come out, and Evil Eye was actually the first riff that I mm. wrote on my pedal, loop pedal, weirdly going back to Black Horse, which is exactly how that happened, like writing the riff on the mm -hmm. pedal first and I was just missing playing good hard riffs and having really great rhythm and um, simple ideas but effective you know that's the kind of that's always the goal really and so I, once the choruses started coming out I just couldn't really ignore it I had to go with it you got to respect the inspiration when it comes and I didn't really have any choice after the first two or three songs came out. I was like, this is really good. You're like, there's something going on yeah, here. Yeah, there's something <laughs> happening here, and um, I, I'm not really in control of it. <laughs> and you wrote, am I correct in saying that you wrote the entire album on your own by yourself? I did. Wow. It's the first time I've done that. I've, I mean, I'll usually have maybe two, three, maybe four co-writes on an album. There's a couple of writers that I love writing with. I, 
done some stuff with Greg Kirsten in LA. Who's wonderful. He's fantastic. Yeah. Such a creative guy and so talented. Um, Martin Tareffa is another um, collaborator of mine who I love writing with. And um, But this time it was really important, circumstantially and spiritually for me, for this to be pretty hermetically sealed within my world because it's I realized after the last three records that I was just becoming kind of more observational hmm. I was be, I was telling stories but not necessarily from my own viewpoint and I realized that that was really to try and protect myself from feeling vulnerable hmm. in, a, in a world of having some success and having people questioning your lyrics and look, looking your way and 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 I, I guess I felt afraid of mm. being vulnerable and I and I look back and I see that these songs are becoming less personal they're personal to me because I know what they mean right but the lyrics themselves were becoming less direct hmm. um, and so this record I knew I had to just be completely honest and completely direct and sometimes there's a I think that it's one of the biggest uh pitfalls in writing songs is trying to make something simple sound flowery or sound interesting or sound poetic and one of my favorite tracks which is kind of the the mission statement of the record is it took me so long to get here but here i am (laughs) and that's it that's it it doesn't need any explanation that's how that's what that song is on the album, um, you have one collaboration with James Bay. I do. And was that now? Did he write that with you, or was that? Yes, just... it was. It was such a cool experience. So I'd I'd started writing the song, and I knew that it would work really well as a duet because it's a it's about a relationship about being selfish in a relationship and not seeing each other's point of view and all of that kind of. The thing. song is called Two Way. By Two the way, Two Way, yeah, and um, and I loved the song. It had a real kind of old seventies kind of classic rock vibe to it and the harmonies are great between the two of you. you and i and i was just really thinking like who who can i get to sing this and i i performed on jules holland's hootenanny on the bbc in mm. in the uk last new year and james was on and i'd read in a couple of his interviews that he was a fan of mine which is always so flattering when someone i mean he's just super talented he's, he's such a brilliant musician super lovely by the he's way he's a as lovely well. lovely guy and um and so I said hi, and he was happy to meet, and he was telling me he'd been at gigs of mine that I had no idea he was there, <laughs> and it was before he got big, and he knew all my music, and um, and that we swapped numbers, and off we went. And, wow. and then about three days later, I was like, wait a minute, he would be perfect for this song, but he's in the middle of blowing up the planet right <laughs> yeah, now, there's that and thing. he might be a little busy, so I just mailed him, and I just said, look, I've got this song, and I've attached it, and the demo and let me know it was just me playing guitar just said you know let me know i know you're super busy so totally understand if yeah. you want to and i just got this email straight back just going yes 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 i'm in Aww. so i was over the moon and he sent me back i said look why don't you try and write another section for the song and then we can work you know we can get together and finish it off or something right he sent me back this this recording of him in a hotel bathroom apologizing sorry if it sounds bad and I just mailed him back I was like dude you need to make an album in hotel bathrooms because it sounds incredible <laughs> did, did you use that vocal or did you actually properly get we together we didn't use the hotel bathroom okay. vocal so thankfully James was coming through LA and had a Sunday free and we just had the best day we just hung out for a couple of hours chatting 
uh, in uh, Highland Park in LA and then we went over to my friend Brian's studio Brian Bender's got a studio in uh, um, Atwater Village and we just had an afternoon playing like kids we just sat there jammed the song laughed played ate good food into the evening started recording and the I mean James can do it in one yeah. it's just I, I have to say that working with him has upped my game as a singer I've I learned quite a lot from him watching him perform hmm. and how he sings and the control of his voice and his playing is really masterful um, well we'll hear all of this music I'm assuming on the road because your US tour starts on September 14th in Washington D.C. Um, and then it moves over to the UK in October. Yeah. Um, and your plane shows up through, at least right now, through November. Who knows? Yeah. There could be more. Absolutely. The calendar uh, is open. Calendar is open and mm-hmm. ready to be filled with Ready dates. for business. Ready for business. <laughs> Call up KT, your booking agent, if you'd like to book her. Call me now on 123 456 789 to book me. 1-800-KT-Tunstall. At your local sports hall. Um, it, I, it always sounds like such a cheesy question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What can we expect from the the tour? Is it going to be you know sort of mostly the new album? I mean, obviously you're going to play you know the big hits that everyone loves. I mean, do we you ever going to do that? You, you were going no, to skip I'm, I'm suddenly. I see and Black Horse we, and Cherry Tree. We are going to do that. <laughs> um, so it's very exciting. I have a brand new band. Um, oh wow! It's actually the most economical band I've ever had. It's only four of us on stage. I feel like it sounds like there's eight of us. I feel like it's a bigger sound than I've ever had. We are being quite experimental with uh, triggering samples and a bit of technology. Ah. Using the, the Working with Tony Hoffer was so great because he's very into old drum machines, old synthesizers. The producer of the new album. Sorry, the yes. producer of the new album, Tony, who's amazing. He's the most mischievous imp and the most efficient. <laughs> <An> imp. <laughs> yeah, the most like efficient organized producer all in one it's like the perfect mix um but what what fun he is and um i had been mostly drawn to him through my love of beck him being beck being my favorite artist of all time and he'd done midnight vultures and guero with beck and had actually played in beck's band during oh, wow. the times and so has that sensibility of pop versus experimental coming together and really creating something mm-hmm. completely listenable and emotional but also pushing the edges of things i think i think that's a way to describe the new album as yeah, well. well thank you that's certainly a huge compliment it feels thank very you. fitting too for an la album to have beck's producer on it exactly, too like right? it's, yeah, yeah that's perfect exactly. it is perfect and it was uh you know, he's he'll be a friend for life. We we had such a fantastic experience making the record, full of joy, which is what the record is about, and that's that's the experience I wanted. It had, I think, when I started making the album, I was just like, I'm not going to do this unless I really love it. Why do this? Yeah. yeah, I don't need to do it anymore. I can do something else. So it's got to be it's got to be great. That's freedom. Yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. <laughs> and it's the dream, right? It's. I mean, who wants the who wants to slog towards a dream where you feel trapped in it in the end? Yeah. So it was it was just a celebration. The whole thing it was really a great experience. Um, so go check her out on tour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I want to ask just as we as bring we, your sweatbands. Bring your sweatbands. Because you're going to sweat. There's going to yeah. be some aerobics involved. Yeah, there's going to be aerobics. <laughs> well, I mean, there are. I mean, the the album it has its dancey moments. You know, uh, I, my notes where I was saying, you know, uh, maybe it's a good thing and hard girls 
and Evil Eye are all very boppy and yeah. and kind of like you if if you're listening with headphones at home in your chair, you'll be dancing in your chair, <laughs> but you'll be like, I need to get up, I need to move, I need to yeah. do something here. <laughs> well, so, I needed to. That was the thing. I yeah. needed to, and I guess that's where those songs came from. Uh, last thing, and then we'll let you go. Um, it's been, believe it or not, uh, 10 years, just uh, just a little over 10 years since Black Horse and the Cherry Tree yeah. like kind of had this out-of-left-field crazy success for you, um, thanks partly to American Idol um, yeah. and Catherine McPhee performing it. Who I thanked only about a year ago. I never met her before. Really? I finally met her, and I was like... Thanks, love. You did me a solid. <laughs> you, you helped. You helped me buy a house. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, how and and then and then suddenly I see came you know probably yeah. a little like maybe a year later and then you were just off and running yeah. in America. What has been sort of like? I mean, thanks to you guys, it was you know it was all the support of those early songs that made it all happen. Uh, you were kind of inescapable on the radio there for a little bit (laughs) yeah um what was kind of like the greatest thing to come out of that experience of having that kind of crazy pop success like what was the best thing for you out of that it's such an interesting question because when it happens you think that the answer to that question is oh my god I'm on a tour bus I have a band right. I'm playing shows people are coming I don't need to print flyers at home and give them <laughs> to people on the street anymore um, and then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger yeah. and it gets bigger and it got to the point where I think I did start to sabotage what was going on because I didn't feel particularly comfortable with it going so big Yeah. and I was looking at playing arena shows and I didn't know how to do what I did. I played Roots music and I felt like I needed to see everyone's eyes and it felt weird so I ended up playing kind of multiple nights instead of going to these bigger venues and you know we went it went big. It went up to kind of 6 or 7000 people and and I just don't think I was ready for it. And so I put I think I pulled back mm. and I remember saying no, I I don't think that's what I should be doing and you know and I kick myself a little now because it's like you should try anything. Because you shouldn't say that you don't like something before you've tried it. Um, but that's the way it went. And so then I was thinking, okay, what what do I get from, you know, what what is the answer? What What is the repercussions? What is the gift of that massive success? And of course it's fans. Yeah. That goes without saying. Um, it's having people know you. And thank goodness it was for something that I still enjoy playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's that. Um <laughs> But now, 10 years later, I think the answer just continues to evolve. And now the answer to that question is, I thought it was that big success of that first record. And now I'm like, no, I think it's actually now when I'm in a position where I'm completely in control of what I'm making creatively, artistically. I choose my producer. I choose where I record. I've got the... I've got the ability to to pay to make a record. I can pay to make a video. I can, you know, if the label doesn't like what I want to do, I'll just do it myself. And the label actually, and I have a really good relationship and there's a trust because I've delivered them music over the years that they've been, you know, happy with and we've sold. And, um, and so I think ultimately 
the gift of that success has led to freedom. Yeah. It's led to creative freedom. And uh, it just feels so good. And I feel like finally I'm making the most honest work that I've made because I can just do it on my own. I'm not being prodded by anybody, not being kind of pushed in certain directions, which I, I never have been hugely, but you are. You mm-hmm. know? When, you're, when you're first starting out, you don't have any leverage really. Um, and you fight your way through. But I, yeah, and, that, and also now just knowing myself, having a, new, a newfound self-confidence of just going, I'm not going if to, if, you know, if anyone tries to make me do something, I'd go, why would I do that? <laughs> I don't have to do it. I'll just not do it. And then we both lose. Why would why would we want that? Right. So, yeah, it's led to it's led to a freedom that I wasn't I didn't foresee, which has been such an amazing surprise. Well, make sure to check out KT's new album, Kin. Make sure to see her on tour because you're going to bring your sweatpants and aerobic bands and <laughs> some sort of I don't know. A, a I just want to make you dance, laugh, and cry. In all in an hour and a half. That's all. It's a simple request. Yeah, that's all. It's it's a a simple request. Yeah. Um, And thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks again, KT, for coming by the office. It was such a pleasure to hang out with her. Such a great person. Such a great musician. And and, uh, check her out on the road. She's going to be on the road here for the next uh, couple months. And uh, the album, the first time I heard it, I was just like, man, this is like, you you know, go play it in the car with your top down. And it's just... It's just fun. It's just a fun record. Totally. So go check it out. And thank you again to KT. And now we're done. The other That's Katie. It? The other Katie. We already got that chart stat out of the way. I know. It seems weird. <laughs> uh, any parting words? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I was actually thinking about our friend um, Sam Lansky over the weekend because uh, Kiara's gold is everywhere. Yeah. And he told us that would be the case back when we did our first of the year show. Back in January. January. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's happening. He was right. So I feel like maybe we could give that a listen as like a way to go, Sam, way to predict the pop future. Yeah. So let's, (laughs) here's, here's gold by uh, Kiara. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.